Welcome to Please Bet on Football Games. Welcome to Please Bet on Football Games. It is week 17? Week, week 17. 17. Wow. Time really flies. Um, we skipped last week because it was Christmas and we figured you'd rather listen to your family members drone on about football than us. But I really hope you followed around on Twitter because it was a really good week for us. Um, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't recap week 15, which didn't go as well. We ended up down 2.27 units. Uh, heartbreaking losses on Chargers over Kansas City and Tennessee over Pittsburgh and Denver over Cincy and Green Bay over Baltimore minus five. A lot of bad beats all in one week. But our best bet, LA over Seattle cashed and Indianapolis beat New England to give us a little bit more of a boost. And then week 16, we had Titans money line on Thursday. I tweeted about it like crazy. We had Cleveland over Green Bay plus seven. I didn't really talk about it much, but you guys always yell at me for betting on Cleveland anyway. So if you didn't take that advice, I don't know what to tell you. Indianapolis over Arizona on the money line, going for the big shot. A best bet. That's plus 2.4 units right there, baby. Buffalo over New England. Money line. Even odds. Again, if you didn't know we were going to be betting against New England anytime they play a 500 or better team, you haven't been listening to this podcast. And yes, I tweeted about it incessantly. Finally, we had LA minus three over Minnesota. That was just a slam dunk. Bringing our week to- week 16 total to plus 7.38 units and a 100% week. And nobody will fucking believe us because it's the week we didn't pod. I know that's the worst part. We were sitting there like, should we? I mean, we actually have some cards we like, games we're looking forward to, but we don't want to make one at Christmas. No one's going to listen to one at Christmas. This is just going to be a waste of everyone's time. And of course, it's the best week. Yeah, no. And there's nothing worse than making a podcast that you get five listens to and two of them are you and your girlfriend. But I don't give a fuck because we're up 15.4 units on the year with a 13.86 ROI and a win percentage of 55.56. We're fucking crushing it again, and I don't goddamn care. Yeah, I mean, that's we've talked about is, you know, people can listen. Cool if they do. I'm, I'm glad to talk about it. But for the most part, this is for me. This is for us to talk about football, have some fun, and pick some games we want to make some money on. Yeah, and, and like, frankly, people can talk all the shit they want. I made $9,764.08 last week betting on football games. That's really lovely. I'll do that every week if I can. And I don't care if anybody knows it. Exactly. It's it ultimately, you know, people can listen if they want to jump in or, you know, yell at us or agree with us, whatever. I love it. I'll take the engagement. I have fun talking to people. But at the end of the day, I'm happy just going through and doing this. Well, seeing as this is going to be a little bit of a helter skelter pod because we are totally off schedule and shit has gotten hectic over the holidays, I think we. Sunday. All right, let's uh, go ahead and jump into week 17. To no Thursday night football this week. So we're going to no, start no. off at 1 p.m. on Sunday. The Atlanta Falcons are going to play the Buffalo Bills. The Bills are minus 14 and a half. Oh boy. <laughs> um so Bills are going to win this game. It's outside in the cold. Matt Ryan is bad outside. Matt Ryan is worse outside in the cold. It'll probably be windy. This is going to be a slobber knocker. I think that one way you can get at this game if you want is Atlanta team total under uh, because they're just not going to fucking score. Um, that said, 
Vegas knows that this is going to be a slobber knocker. It's it's a 14 and a half point line for a reason. It's not even a drop dead leg because if you're going to throw a minus 1000 money line on a parlay, like that's 10 cents. Like don't open yourself up to the risk. Just to make your money. Yeah, I know on Bovada, they won't even let you parlay with this game. Is that for real? That a thing? You might have to double check yourself because I can parlay it with the Chiefs. Really? Not that I'm going to. Never mind. I thought that's what that little symbol meant on Bovada. No same game parlays. Um, this is a negative of doing it on my phone where I don't, I can't hover over icons and get explanations. Well, regardless, I agree with you. I don't think it's worth putting in as a leg. The bills will win, but it, even the number is weird. It's not worth teasing down, especially if the weather is going to be bad and you never know when the bills might kind of play a shitty game or Josh Allen has a bad one. He's been good lately and he was really good uh, this past week, but he still has that ability just because he's a he's just a cannon attached to a body that can also run, but it's not the most consistent cannon. It's a civil war cannon. Should we um should we move on to the next absolute snooze fest of a game? Yeah, let's go ahead and do that. Uh the next game is the Jacksonville Jaguars going to play the New England Patriots. The Patriots are minus 15 and a half. Yeah. So this is another one where, like, how do you think this one ends? Um, I think we might get decent value. If I'm praying Mac Jones gets COVID, that sounds bad. But if Mac Jones gets COVID, because Brian Hoyer already has COVID, we get Jared Stidham. And the line will probably move three to five points, and that's hilarious. And then I think we get good value. Then you think you take the Patriots with Jared Stidham? Yes, sir. But that's a lot of pontificating for something that might not happen. Yeah. I could also see Bill Belichick has Mac like locked in a locked in a little chamber. His storage bunker. Just yeah, Mac sitting yeah. next to Ernie Adams in a dark room. No, he's just bubble boy around the whole place. He's got an <laughs> iPad in there that gets sterilized, and uh, and he just walks around, watches his film, talks to everyone. Then when he gets imagine, on the field, he's he's six feet away. I gotta imagine that Mac Jones has the weakest immune system on God's green earth. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I agree. He does not look like he was a uh, someone that's going to overcome overcome this this illness that has gotten so many millions of people. Should we talk? Oh, our next game is fun. We could talk about a real football game here. Yeah, we. Uh, this has been a little choppy to start off, but those games are just terrible. So let's get into games that are actually worth watching and potentially betting on. We have the Kansas City Chiefs going to play the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals are plus four and a half. So I've already gotten at this game. I uh, I parlayed Kansas City money line with another game, which will be disclosed later. Um, I like the Chiefs, but I don't know if I want to do four and a half. I'm in the same boat. I, I want to use the Chiefs. They're going to win this game. I, I would be shocked if they didn't at least. I think they match up well for the kryptonite side of it. Uh, they're going to be able to get uh, tons of pressure on Joe Burrow, especially up the middle with Chris Jones and that weak interior line for the Bengals. Yep. And while the Chiefs corners aren't elite, they've been solid. And, you know, PFF thinks they're elite so they're not terrible and although the Bengals their strength is in their playmakers specifically their wide receivers the Chiefs should be able to keep up with them a little bit and they won't be able to get as many long developing plays for the Bengals because Chris Jones and um, Melvin Ingram who's actually come on pretty well since he's ended up with the Chiefs they've been putting a lot of pressure and I think they'll mess with Burrow a bunch and then you just get to the other side of, well, the Bengals defense has been good. And, you know, the Chiefs offense this year as a whole hasn't been as great. They're hitting their stride again. And 
the Bengals defense should not be able to keep up with the Chiefs. So, first of all, I'm not going to say much about this, but PFF has Joe Burrow as the number one quarterback in the NFL, which shows you about how useful PFF is when it comes to grading quarterbacks. Uh, Keep in mind that they also have Teddy Bridgewater, I think, sixth. So, yeah. PFF's wet dream at quarterback is just completing 10 consecutive screen passes for three yards. They would just cream themselves. Quarterback did everything right in those plays. Anyhow, what the Chiefs may lack in top-end defensive back talent, and I'm saying may, because I think Mike Hughes sucks. He has the worst ball skills I've ever seen on a corner. PFF adores him and has him as the seventh-ranked cornerback after dropping them down from the first cornerback in the NFL. I think he's bad. They think he's amazing. Um, They're wrong. I'm right. Um, I do like Charvarius Ward. I do like Algerius Sneed. And Rashad Fenton is also pretty decent. So I think the Chiefs' greatest strength in their secondary is just depth. They can throw four, at the very least, C-plus cornerbacks out there. And on the other side, the Bengals' strength on offense, as you mentioned, is those wide receivers. And again, it's not that any of them is great. Like, Jamar Chase gets a lot of hoopla, but he's okay. He's a wide receiver too. He's a good one. He's useful, but he's not like a game breaker. He's not a matchup problem. Just don't bust your coverage on him and you're probably going to be okay. Tyler Boyd is a good B minus slot receiver. He's solid. You can't leave him alone. And then T Higgins is a, a very good jump ball receiver who can basically only do jump balls. He's limited. None of these dudes are game breakers. None of these guys are matchup problems. All of them can be handled by the Chiefs' deep, if not uh, impressive, cornerback room. As you mentioned, we do have Chris Jones back in the middle of the defensive line. That will be great because the entire interior for the Bengals is shit. And then Tyron Matthew and Juan Thornhill are really good safeties. So if the Chiefs just run that two-man that they love to run, the Bengals are not going to have their deep shots for free. They're not going to have those seam routes to Uzoma that are almost always open just by default, like Austin Hooper style when he was with the Falcons. Um, and then, yeah, you can run the ball with Joe Mixon. You, you just knock yourself out. You have so much fun with that. You just, you just keep running him for three to five yards. I'm yeah, because that's the biggest thing as well. I think the, the Bengals offense, they're, they're explosive and they will be able to put up some points against the chiefs because their wide receivers are better than the chiefs corners. Now, it's not a huge difference, but they're still better, and they're going to get some plays. But then you go to the other side of they have to keep up with the Chiefs' offense, who's been really good. They're getting a bunch of guys back, which, you know, COVID isn't a vacation, but for a lot of these guys that were asymptomatic, it's almost another bye week for them. Like, they're coming back healthier and, you know, rested. For like 99% of these dudes, it kind of is a vacation. So, yeah, and so I don't want to get into like, oh, who had symptoms and who's going to be trying to, you know, get back versus who is, you know, basically coming off of a bye week or a week without practice. But I think it will help, at least based off of Travis Kelsey and some of these other big name guys that have talked about feeling fine, but they couldn't play. And so this was just they basically had a bye week. So they're only going to be better, in my opinion. And that's where we get our value, because even though the Bengals defense has been solid. They're not keeping up with this. No, and and the other thing is the Bengals just don't really match up well enough to play two-man. Um, now, hopefully they do play two-man for their own sake. Uh, you don't want to be the Raiders and just say like, well, we have to play this blitzing linebacker at safety in Jonathan Abrams, so uh, we're going to have to run cover one. No, 
don't do that. That's how you get fucked. I just don't think that Jesse Bates, who has turned back into a pumpkin, and Von Bell, who is a fat pumpkin, will be able to cover Travis Kelsey. I don't think that I don't think anybody in the NFL can cover T or uh, Tyreek Hill. But if anybody can, it's certainly not Mike Hilton or Chidobia Wuzier. And as good as Trey Hendrickson is, as decent as Sam Hubbard is, the Chiefs' offensive line is killer. So I foresee if if I get anything better than a D minus game from Patrick Mahomes, I think that the Chiefs win this game. I'd be shocked if the Bengals held the Chiefs to under 24. And I'd also be kind of shocked if the Bengals scored more than 21. I agree. Also, also keep in mind, and this is like, you know, this is logic capping rather than like X's and O's. And we are X's and O's guys, but the Bengals are hot off of a massive blowout win where Joe Burrow threw for 7,052 yards and a blowjob against the Ravens. After the Ravens lost their only remaining cornerback in Everett, who is decent. So they played a decimated Ravens team with a quarterback that had been on the team for two days, a 35-year-old quarterback who had been on the team for two days, and fewer corners than they even thought they would have, which was zero. So that is a that win doesn't mean jack shit, and the market is going to react to it. Meanwhile, the Chiefs very quietly dominated the Steelers. I think I've just convinced myself into putting the Chiefs on the board, but for now, at least, let's call it maybe. I I think yeah, we leave it as maybe, but I it'll probably end up unless we uh, get some other stuff that pops at us, but it'll definitely end up in some money line parlays. With that Absolutely. said, you want to move on to the next game? Let's do it. All right, this is another one I think we should be able to get some good value out of. The Los Angeles Rams are going to play the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens are plus three and a half. This line befuddles me. I like this line clearly assumes that Lamar Jackson's coming back, but I don't think that the line makers have watched Lamar Jackson play football in a long time, like maybe a, a few months, because he sucks. He's been very bad. And maybe this is if he's coming back from the injury, these handful of weeks off or three weeks off, whatever it's been, two weeks, was enough for him to get healthy again. And those injuries are why he was struggling, but I don't really think that. So I, in order for his injuries to be the reason he was struggling, he'd have to have one of those weird Russell Wilson injuries that it, it works retroactively before you got injured because Lamar Jackson, like while his production may waver and his PFF grade may waver my charting, he's always been exactly the same. He is a D minus to F quarterback with an occasional C and never an A or a B. I mean, like maybe one or two A's or B's, but like, he is exactly what he's always been per my tape study. And it just isn't working. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, he, he's been better as a passer to, or he was better as a passer to start this year and some of last year, which I thought if he could do that, he can turn the corner because he is such an incredible athlete that if you have to respect the pass game at all, they should be able to cut you up, but he's reverted to not being able to pass at all. He can't read anything and he's throwing inaccurately. It's it's a very bad situation for a thrower of the football. Now, he's still one of the most athletic guys to touch the field and is incredibly electric with the ball in his hand. But I think as we've seen with Tyler Huntley is that it's that isn't as hard to find. No, I mean, like I, I, I'm not exactly a Tyler Huntley stan, but like coming out of Utah, I thought he could be a solid backup. And I thought he would be a perfect replacement for a Lamar Jackson, just in that he's cheaper and the same type of shit. Uh, 
because he's mobile and his arm is not big, but it's not significantly limited. And he is passably accurate, like college level accurate. And sure enough, like that's what he seems to be. And it looks better over the course of two or three games than Lamar has looked in at least a year, probably two. There were there were one or two games at the beginning of the year where Lamar was actually hitting things. But I see what you're saying. It, it hasn't happened often. Now, my question, and this is the only question, because on the Rams side, Stafford played his worst game as a Ram last week. It was a straight up F. I counted four or five interceptable passes. I haven't truly graded it yet, but like sometimes you don't got to look at the particulars to know this horse can't run. Um, it was, it was bad. I don't think he's going to string together two terrible weeks in a row. Uh, I don't think it will ever be easier to pad your own stats than playing this version of the Ravens secondary. We know Matt Stafford likes that. We know Matt Stafford's in the MVP race somehow still. I would be surprised. I would be surprised if the Rams don't put up some fucking points. So they are a pick. They may well be a best bet. We'll get to that later. The only question is, does it come down from minus four back down to minus three where I got it yesterday? Oh, you got a minus three? Nice. Fuck yeah. I got that shit right after the games ended on Sunday, actually. Uh, That was smart. Yeah, I'm sitting at three and a half. I still like three and a half is what I have. But yeah, it it would be sweet if we got it down to three again. I feel comfortable with it because even though Stafford has looked bad, the Rams are just a much better team and they have their players. Guys are coming back from COVID, whereas the Ravens, the issue isn't COVID. They just, everyone's on the IR. They don't have any. <laughs> the issue is ligaments. They don't have those. The The team is just so decimated that I think it, it kind of goes to a little bit of what we talked about with the Bengals Chiefs game that as long as the quarterback for the team we're betting on, in this case Stafford, doesn't have an F game, they cover. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of going, do you think Stafford is going to have back-to-back F games? Okay, so here's what we're going to do for the pod picks. And this is what I would suggest. Have you already gotten down on this one? All right. So my suggestion is going to be, it is currently at minus 3.5 basically everywhere. Looking at where the money is coming in, There is massive sharp action on the Ravens and no action on the Rams. When Lamar Jackson gets announced as being back, which he will, this line is going to go down to at least minus three, possibly minus two. Wait until then. If by Friday they haven't announced Lamar Jackson back, take what you can get. Eh, If by Saturday night. So if you wake up Sunday morning and you don't know, take what you can get. But I'm willing to bet. I'm literally doing it right now. I'm willing to bet that Lamar Jackson will play. If not, Tyler Huntley will play. And this line will be back down to minus two and a half or three by kickoff. And that's where you take it and you hit it like a fucking bass hopping off a lily pad. This is going to be a good one. Awesome. I like that plan. All right. You ready to go on to the next game? Fuck yeah. All right. Next, we have the Miami Dolphins going to play the Tennessee Titans. The Titans are minus three and a half. This is another one that I love. And I'm really sad that we're recording this today on Tuesday, because if we had recorded on Monday, I would have said, go get those Titans minus three. Um, As it stands, we have a rule. We don't bet on the Titans laying more than two. You know, it hurts me so much because I think the Dolphins are prime for their fall. Oh, God, yes, they are. played absolutely nobody. They played Tyrod Taylor, Joe Flacco, Lamar Jackson, Cam Newton and P.J. Walker, Mike Glennon, Zach Wilson, Ian Book. So the best guy on there is probably Lamar, who has had his worst season. I was going to say, who we just got done saying sucks. Back to Tennessee, 
and Miami. Yeah. But I don't have the balls for Tennessee minus three and a half. Do you? I don't know. I, I think they totally should win. Uh, they totally should cover that number, but it's Mike Rabel and the Titans with more than like a point and a half. So no. Yeah. I mean, we saw, we saw literally last week against the 49ers, just how easily Mike Vrabel can turn a game. He should be dominating into a close victory, a nail biting victory. Exactly. So that's in, and he does that every single time. Like how often do they blow people out? Like it never happened. Mm-hmm. So no, mo- most of the time is- when they, most of the time when they cover more than two points, it is purely because Derrick Henry broke a big fucking run at the end of the game or some shit. Yeah. So I think that that number you should stay away from, but I think they're another good money line leg. Absolutely. Try to get a money line. See if you can find, let's see where this line's going. Now, again, I'm not the best line predictor. It's not my thing. I decide who is going to win football games. I don't care that much, nor am I that good at gauging closing line value. Um, it looks like it might move towards the Titans. Like it might come down minus three, but again, wait. I, I don't want it. <laughs> I don't want it unless it's less than a field goal. That's true. Um, wait until Friday, people. If you can, if, if by Friday it goes down under minus three, take it. You've got asymmetric risk here because if it goes up to minus four, it's literally the exact same bet. Uh, but if it goes down to minus three or even minus 2.5, it is a killer bet. Um, we'll throw it on the maybes and. In our next game that we are jumping on into, the New York Giants going to play the Chicago Bears. Chicago is minus six and a half. <laughs> I don't fucking know, man. This is egregiously bad. I I have no idea. I are, are people going to be back for the Giants? Are they going to have superstar Daniel Jones instead of uh, Jake Fromm? I, it can't get worse than Jake Fromm. I really did not think it was going to be that bad. I I kind of, I did. I, I didn't know he was that <laughs> bad when he came out of Georgia, like initially. But then the more I kind of looked in, so it was like he was the hype guy. They kept him instead of Justin Fields. They like he was a starter there for what three years, four years. Like he was there for a while, super touted. And then you watch him play, and you're like, oh, he has no arm, and like he's not so incredibly smart or mobile or whatever that he can get through it. He's just like a really good dude that everyone likes, and like he's he makes the right decision most of the time, at least in college. And yeah, so he just like there's nothing special about him. There he was a he was a lesser. He was a lesser Jake, or <laughs> I called him a lesser Jake from. He was a lesser Mac Jones. Yeah, exactly. He's just Mac like, Jones is bad. Yeah, but Jake Fromm was like, you know, big Georgia boy was, you know, brought up was uh, was there for what three or four years. So he had all four. the hype. Yeah. Whereas Mac Jones only played for what a year. Yeah. Yeah. And Jake Fromm was a five star recruit, and apparently, I know a person who went to high school with Jake Fromm. And she says that apparently his body count by the senior year of high school was in the 80s, which is impressive considering the graduating class at his high school was about 100 people. That, yeah, I mean, that's, that is a fun anecdote. That's why you come to this show. But <laughs> um, Apparently yeah, her so father told her that as well over dinner because Georgia is, high school football. That is just the most Southern thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Want to yes. hear what the star quarterback did, honey? Did you know that Jake has been through 80 plus women <laughs> uh we couldn't fit that many people in this house shoulder to shoulder 
Should we talk uh, about more shitty itself. stuff? No, I no, there is no game. There is no fucking game. I'm not watching it. I'm not acknowledging it. It sucks. It's terrible. The Bears are definitely gonna win. I'm not betting on it or watching it or acknowledging it. Yeah, I I have no interest in this game. Wanna move on to the next one? Fuck yes. All right. Next we have the Philadelphia Eagles going to play the Washington football team. Washington is plus four. It doesn't get better. This is a shitty week. Um, like there are three good games so far, and they've been lined really fucking well. Um, man, there's a piece of me that thinks that the skins get it done because I think that the Eagles are becoming overrated. And eventually Washington has to get somebody back on defense. I just don't know. Yeah. I mean, obviously last week was chaos it was terrible for them they didn't have anyone they didn't look like they were there to play dallas came out hot and it just seemed like the game was over immediately and washington was just playing to run the clock out but that was bad and they've been kind of rough ever since they had that little run where they pulled off what forest rate something like that got themselves back into the conversation then they've kind of returned to form of a below average team maybe this year they're still an average team but they're not special. I do agree, though. The Eagles aren't special either. They've been running the ball incredibly, uh, incredibly well. And that's very important if they can just play that smash mouth football. But I still don't like them. I still don't think they're a particularly good team. Their quarterback is still awful. No, the Eagles are not a good team. But I don't know if we can bet because a fully healthy Washington defense is perfect for stifling these Eagles. But right now they're missing half their defensive line. So we've got Jonathan Allen back. He'll clog up the middle. You got Montez Sweat on one edge. He's a good fucking edge. Unfortunately, you don't have Chase Young on the other side. That sucks. Um, oh, it looks like Deron Payne is going to be back, which I guess is nice. So, well, you know. He played last week, didn't he? He was a guy that got punched. Yes. Yes, honestly, I turned that game off so fucking fast. I didn't know that he played, but I do remember that he got punched. I, I, I watched about five minutes of this game and know that he played because I saw the punch on Twitter. <laughs> I think the bigger issue for the skins is that they just don't have any fucking linebackers left. They're running three backup linebackers out there. Yeah, and that, that is a, a significant issue when you're playing a team that just runs the ball nonstop. And throws to their star tight end. Yeah. Because their wide receivers suck. Mm-hmm. I think Kendall Fuller can take Devonte Smith directly out of the football game. Also, I've never been so correct on a fucking draft evaluation as I was on Devonte Smith. Yeah, you you had a little a pretty good run there with the wide receivers. I mean, maybe you were a little low on Chase. I maintain that I nailed him. Yeah. Uh. Well, whatever. Um. <laughs> incredible. Which you yeah, said he awesome. was wide receiver one. Uh. Kadarius Tony, who you had near the top of your board has been awesome when he's been healthy. He's, you know, been super fragile, but when he's played, he's been really good. Then Devontae Smith, who you said was nothing, hasn't been great. Now, granted, he is playing with a horrible quarterback. This is true. But definitely has not had the same impact that those other top flight guys have because Jalen Waddle also plays with a terrible quarterback. So, yeah, I think Devontae Smith will, he'll struggle with Kendall Fuller or Kendall Fuller will have a good game against him. Um, and even if he doesn't, you still have... Jalen Hurts throwing him the ball. So it doesn't matter all that much if Dante Smith is open all the time. It's a nice insurance plan as a defense. Yeah, because the other team's quarterback is horrible and inaccurate. So Kendall Fuller should be able to lock him up, and he's really their only only guy with any skill because Jalen Rager cannot catch. 
I like Wes Watkins. Is he so healthy? Yeah, he's um, healthy. He's really fast. That's just all he does. And Hertz doesn't really have the arm to get it to him downfield. Exactly. So Devontae Smith is the only one you have to worry about of their receivers. And you don't even have to worry about him that much. So it's pretty much can the Eagles run through Washington and hit some passes to Goddard? I think they may be able to, though. I do, too. <sighs> it's As you talked about, a defensive line... Best case, they're still a little beat up. They have no linebackers, and the Eagles' offensive line is great. Awesome. They they run the ball incredibly well. And then, like you said, the only person they really throw to is Goddard, who isn't getting covered by any of those corners. He's going to get either a third-string linebacker or one of the safeties. It's It's a bad matchup, I think, for Washington, unless guys like the entire team comes back. And even then, I think it's still kind of a toss-up. Yeah. So granted that the Redskins had a bunch of dudes missing on their defense when they played a couple of weeks ago, the Eagles had really bad turnover luck and still dominated that game. So as much as I would like, I, like I'm going to root in my heart for the Redskins, but I don't think that they're, I don't want to touch it. I'd rather move to the, the next game. Yeah. I'm not going to touch this game either because with your, your, the Eagles are minus four as an away team and they're not a good team. I actually will probably be rooting for the Eagles because got to got to root for the hometown guy, Jason Kelsey. And I actually think Nick Sirianni has done a good job. And I think it would be exciting if he turned out to be good because everyone kind of threw him in the trash as soon as he got hired because he was a young dude that worked for Frank Reich. And he doesn't sound like Brandon Saley when he talks. <laughs> but he's actually, he's, I think he's done a really good job morphing the team to what they have. And I think that's uh, it's fun to potentially have a good coach in the league because we don't have a ton of those. Yeah, I was going to say, regardless of what happens for the rest of the season, I think Nick Sirianni has already really impressed me. Like, I already think he's an above average coach just because, first of all, that bar is really low. And second of all, the Eagles are a bad roster. Like, they have a good offense, a great offensive line, a decent defensive line, decent secondary. And then that's about it. And they've turned that into nine wins already. The fuck? They, they've, they've played well. And especially the, the biggest thing that shows to me that he's done well and is potentially a very good coach is that they started horrible and then they fixed things. Yeah. Like he, he was able to recognize what the issues were and then almost out coach other teams and get around what their problems are and play to their strengths and not let the other teams exploit them. And, you know, they're still not other, good, and he outcoached those other teams with his left hand because he's a passing guy. He wants to run a spread, quick hit West Coast offense. And instead he's running Urban Myers, Ohio State offense, and it's working. And he's better at it than everybody else. So it's it's really impressive. He is an yeah. impressive ass coach. I hope they get a quarterback. Me too. And they have all the ability to this year. It would be, oh, I would love it if they ended up with one of the, one of the big name guys they could get. Granted, I'd be sad if they got Russ, but that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> I'll probably be rooting for the Eagles is the end of that, but not betting on this game. Yep. You want to move on to the next one? Let's do it. All right. Next in the final game of the early slate, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to play the New York Jets. The Jets are plus 13. I think the best thing that the Buccaneers can do in this game is just take all of their best players and give them COVID so that they don't have to be tested for the rest of the year. Because I do think that the Bucs backups have a decent chance at beating the Jets. Hey, uh, Zach Wilson hasn't thrown an interception in like three weeks. So, Upswing. <laughs> 
Yeah, have fun with that. I'm pretty sure he rushed for more yards than he passed for last week. Yeah, it sounds right. Against the Jaguars. Like, dude, come on. I I don't know. And and the Jets just won't play Denzel Mims. What the fuck is that about? Like, maybe he's not. I don't know what the fucking problem is at all. I have no idea. Um, Maybe he can't figure out the plays. Okay, well, he's six foot three or six foot four. He jumps really high and he runs really, really fast. He's got good hands. Make him DK Metcalf. Maybe his route tree is unrefined and he just can't be trusted to reliably run slants or crossers or what have you. Okay, make him DK Metcalf. Like, there's no excuse to not get Denzel Mims on the field, taking the top off of defense every play at the least. Yeah, I, I think it, it, I don't know if there are reports of, if there are reports, not that there are, if he's not great in the locker room or in the doghouse or something, because I agree with you. I don't, I don't know why he wouldn't at least be getting some time on the field for a bad team as a young player with this many, you know, tangible traits. So my only guess is that he's just either a jerk or he pissed off the coach or something. And that's the whole reason that he's not on the field. But I agree with you. It's kind of crazy that he doesn't see it. Well, then again, like Braxton Berrios, he is small, but he is very fast. He is very quick. And he displayed at Miami that he's got at least decent hands. So I will ask again, why the fuck is he not on the field running at least two routes? But either the Jets have the greatest collection of brain dead douchebags of all time or there's something going on in that locker room that's not quite functional which it is the jets and as a fan of a dysfunctional franchise normally when you're confused about something of why isn't this happening there's a reason behind it it probably just doesn't make much sense yeah so i mean i'm again it's too big of a spread to touch this game is the snoozer yeah i i have no interest in it i mean i'll potentially throw it as a money line leg but even at minus 800 i don't know what how much that'll do for me but beyond that probably just moving on to the afternoon slate but not until we do advertising all right late slate to kick off the late slate we have the denver broncos going to play the los angeles chargers the chargers are minus five and a half and this line's coming down because people are betting on the broncos um i will not be touching this game I'm beginning to think that Brandon Staley might be a terrible fucking coach. What about you? I'm I'm getting to that point, which again, this goes back to what I think is really funny throwback, at least for Eagles fans, is it's the same thing as when the most touted hire of the offseason this past year was Brandon Staley, and the Chargers have gotten worse. And a handful of years ago, you might remember the Browns hired one Hugh Jackson who ESPN listed as the best hire that people talked about. Oh, my goodness, the Browns finally figured it out. And then he, you know, won three games in two and a half seasons. While while the Eagles hired Doug Peterson, who, you know, I don't think was actually that great of a coach, but he won a Super Bowl. So that's what you dream of when you hire the coach. And now they hired Nick Sirianni, who might actually be really good. The thing about Doug Peterson is that I don't think he's a good coach at all, but you know who he brought with him? Frank Reich, who's awesome, and John DiFilippo, who's good. And Jim Schwartz, who's great. So, like, doesn't even fucking matter. He got the squad with him. Yeah. And, I mean, heck, that's half a coaching at this point. Just mm-hmm. who your who your other coordinators are. I think that's why uh, Mike McCarthy had shitty years in Green Bay. is because he kept just hiring his friends who had no idea how to coach. But Hey, hey Joe Philbin is a wonderful offensive coordinator. <laughs> the Dolphins thought so, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I, I agree with you that Staley has underperformed. And... 
if I was a Chargers fan, I would be very disappointed because they're they're bad on both sides of the ball, and it seems like they play against themselves. I think their defense. I think Brandon Staley's defense is worse than in last year under Anthony Lynn and Gus Bradley, or not Gus Bradley. Who's the other one? Wait, yeah, I think it was Gus Bradley. I get Dan Quinn. I get Dan Quinn and Gus Bradley confused all the fucking time. I used to do that with Mike Munchak and uh, uh, the guy that used to coach the Titans. Oh, fuck. Idiot. Exotic Smash Mouth. Malarkey. Malarkey. Yeah. Mike Munchak and Mike Malarkey. I would always get confused. Same guy in my brain. Right. Um, No. So Brandon Steele is a bad coach. I watched that game this morning, actually, uh, so I could grade Davis Mills and Justin Herbert. Showdown between two of my favorites um, for very different reasons. (laughs) Um, Side note that we won't talk about because it doesn't it's not appropriate. Uh, Davis Mills. Just keeps getting fucking better, man. He put together a real B to B plus game, and he had two gorgeous deep balls. He's the best rookie quarterback this year by a margin, if you ask me, like significantly. Yeah, I mean, you, you, this is another one that you you talked about as he was your guy that the one you probably wanted from this draft be based on value because you could get him late, and there's a lot of a lot of good traits you like. And yeah, he's been he's been playing well recently. Obviously, last week was probably one of the best ones he's had. And people are paying attention to it, but it's exciting to see. Yeah, and again, I don't think that Davis Mills is necessarily a franchise quarterback, but I think he could be, and I'd like to see him get a shot. I think there's a hell of a lot better chance that Davis Mills is a franchise quarterback than Trey Lance or Mac Jones. And that seems like a good thing to talk about in just another few minutes. But uh, you want to go back to the Justin (laughs) Herbert and Davis Mills? I unwittingly broke down the next game. Um, No, I, I... in watching this game between Davis Mills and Justin Herbert, I realized that the Chargers cannot stop the run even a little bit. Like, it's it's actually impressive how awful they are against the run. And they can't stop the pass, really, either. They can take away the deep shot a little bit, but not that well. Um, on the other side, Drew Locke played all right for the Broncos. He got castrated by Pat Shermer, as Pat Shermer is wont to do. He loves to castrate, but... Uh, it didn't matter. The Broncos somehow got all the turnover luck in the world and their quarterback actually played. It was probably the best quarterback performance they've had as a team all year. And they still lost to a bad Raiders team. So I don't know what to do with them. They're probably out of the playoffs. I'm going to have to pass the game and I don't really even have a take. Yeah. I'm, I'm passing the game as well. I think the the chargers have been disappointing this year and are going to have to change some stuff in the coaching staff whether it's philosophy or actual guys this offseason, whereas the Broncos just need to take all of their assets and try their absolute best to trade for Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Or Baker Mayfield, but any yeah, quarterback they, will do. Yeah. I'd kind of like to see the Broncos get Baker just to stick it up Cleveland's ass. But yeah, I guess we can finish handicapping the next game, which I already halfway did. Yeah, we'll jump in the next one. The Houston Texans going to play the San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers are minus 12 and a half. Okay, I I don't know what's going to happen with this line, but we need to talk about it because it looks like it's going to be Trey Lance. Yeah, so how how did the Texans do against the run game? It's solid. It's not good. Um, They actually got gashed a little bit by the Chargers, but on the season, they're better against the run than they are against the pass. That's not a good thing. It's just a thing. Uh. Yeah, I mean, it is the Texans. They're a very bad team. 
They're so bad. You, you think you do have a little bit of an advantage? Because I don't think the 49ers are really any good. I mean, they're they're in that average realm. But the 49ers can run the ball. And Trey Lance, they're probably going to run the ball a lot. Yeah. So it'll come down to whether Houston can slow down the rows and gets two touchdowns and keeps keeps them in the game, or at least in the cover, which luckily is a really big number here. I don't think that Davis Mills is ready yet to try to carry a team to victory the way that Tannehill did last week. And I think that that's basically what it would take. Uh, I also, I think Trey Lance is terrible, but he can't be worse than Jimmy G was last week. I guess it's a no touchy. Yeah, I think I'm in the same boat. If if you put a gun to my head and made me bet, I'd probably take the Texans just because the spread is so big. And I agree with you that Trey Lance is actively bad, but yet it's it's not a game you should really touch because the 49ers are still much better than the Texans. One thing that might be uh, intelligent is if you look at Trey Lance's like player props and bet the under on passing yards – um, just because he's not going to be effective, he will not be accurate, and they won't ask him to do much because they don't need him to. But I don't know what that number is going to be, and I'm not particularly well-versed in props anyways, so I guess that's my word of advice, but take it for what you will. Sounds good. All right, let's go on to the next game. The Arizona Cardinals going to play the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys are minus five and a half. I'm torn because we've got the Cardinals coming off of a heartbreaking, hilarious, very stupid loss. Right? Yes. They lost okay. to the Lions. Or no, that was last week they lost to the Lions. Who did they lose to this week? Um, the Colts. Oh, yeah. Duh, I fucking bet on it. Oh, God, I'm an idiot. Yeah, so they're, the Cardinals are fucking reeling. Um, you would figure they're going to bring their A game. Meanwhile, the Cowboys just had a fucking blowout victory. You'd figure they might be a little lackadaisical. This the Cardinals said- always suck at the end of the year. They suck at the end of the year every year. The Cardinals always suck period. And then at the end of the year, it seems that they play better teams. But it's not like the Cardinals beat anybody good this year in the beginning of the season. And to the extent that they did, they had so much turnover luck. Kyler Murray fumbles more than anybody not named Justin Fields, and he's recovered almost all of them somehow. Yeah. So I've seen a lot of trends like, oh, Cliff Kingsbury fades towards the end of the year. Well, does he or does he just have a bad fucking quarterback and an okay at best fucking roster around him? Like, I don't yeah. really know, and I don't really care. The Cowboys are a much better team. It's just a matter of if they'll get margin, and I'm looking into motivation to see if the Cowboys try to run it up again. Yeah. They're, you know, Cowboys, the Cowboys and the Cardinals don't necessarily have a rivalry, but there is some, some blood there, some bad blood there. Just off of Cowboys fans are uh, very present everywhere, but especially in Arizona. True. And there aren't that many Cardinals fans in general. So the... <laughs> The, the, the Cowboys fans are present for all Cardinal things. So I don't know how much that's going to play in, especially because you're in Dallas. I don't know. I, I, Dallas is going to win this game. I think the Cardinals, I don't know if it's a Cliff Kingsbury thing solely. I don't think it is. I think you're probably right that it's a couple of things and they play better teams. Kyler relies a lot on his athleticism and his quicks. And I think just as the season goes on, you get more beat up and he gets slowed down. And I think it might be a little bit of Cliff is still a younger dude that has always been a better offensive coordinator than a head coach. And so if they do start struggling and they get into these tighter games and his quarterback is beat up, he loses that, you know, that half step or whatever that has been giving him the advantage. Now they start losing close games instead of winning close games. 
but that's a lot of trying to decipher the psychology of these guys and everything that probably isn't that useful. What we do know is the Cardinals have been bad of late. They're not getting lucky and they're playing better teams. At five and a half, I can't take the Cowboys, but I would love it if this number went down a little bit. And they might even be a team that I tease with one of these many legs we've talked about. Because if you can get that number to three or something, three and a half even, I love it. Well, I think that you should wait because this number is going to come down. All the sharp money is currently on the Cardinals and it's pouring in. So I think this line is going to come down to roughly four, which would be very, very nice. And again, if it goes up, if it goes from five and a half to six, it hasn't changed anything. Yeah, makes no difference. So but if wait you can a little get bit down from five and a half. Yeah. Wait a little bit. I'd take it at four. I'd take Cowboys minus four. Yeah. I think that's probably the, the lowest I would. <laughs> We're massively chalky this week. But we are. I do the Cardinals are a bad team with a good record and the public loves it. And I said it about a month ago. Cardinals aren't gonna win another fucking game. And they're not. Because you know, think about this. Trevon Diggs is not a great cornerback, right? awesome hands great at creating interceptions but like you could burn him pretty easy if you just have any lateral movement or are fast aj green doesn't and he isn't so it's going to be jump balls to them and trayvon diggs is going to get one or two Mm -hmm. and then on the other end they seem intent upon refusing to use rondale Moore as an actual wide receiver they don't throw the ball downfield to christian kirk very often and those defensive ends as well as michael parsons are going to terrorize kyler they're his worst nightmare. Man, fuck it. <laughs> I'm going to wait because I already explained why that's a prudent idea, but I'm going to bet on the Cowboys one way or another. Yeah, me as well. Whether whether I wait or I tease it down with one of the legs from some of these giant spread games that we've talked about, of Tampa or Kansas City or the Rams or something like that, if you want to bring in something for a game we feel confident on, I think you can get really good value. But yeah, waiting might just be the best option. You can uh, You don't have to pay any extra. All right, next game. Definitely. We'll get into the final game of the late slate. The Detroit Lions are going to play the Seattle Seahawks. The Seahawks are minus seven. Why shouldn't I take Detroit plus seven? Uh, I, I don't have an answer for you because I like them as well. Like one, they cover all the time. Two, Seattle is a bad team. Yes. The Lions actually have some solid secondary options. Amani Aurier has been playing incredible. My boy. And... The Seahawks still just can't score, man. No, and Amado Oware is a perfect matchup for DK Metcalf. He'll take him right out of the fucking game because he's bigger and stronger and just about as fast with better ball skills. Um, he's a little slower, but everything else is true. Um, and then, yeah, Tyler Lockett, just, just play fucking Halo defense. Take away the deep ball, which is what the Lions typically do anyways. They have one of those mush-rushing defensive lines as it is where they don't really have any penetrators, but they just kind of work their way into slow pressure. That's exactly what you want against Russell Wilson. And then on offense, well, it doesn't matter because the Seahawks just really suck on defense. Yeah, I mean, the the Lions are not going to score much because they just don't have the firepower, but they're not going to have to work too hard because the Seahawks defense is very bad. I think this is going to be probably a low-scoring game, if I had to guess. And seven is a huge number for anything that I think is going to be less than, like, you know, 24 to 17 or something like that. Like, I I don't want to do this, but I think we have to put Detroit plus seven as a maybe. Yeah, that's fine. We're we're just about done, so we'll be able to come back and uh, really, really evaluate what we got. Ready to move on? 
Yeah, to a game that literally just came off the board. I don't know why. Huh. Sunday night football just popped off the board. Okay, we need to go to Twitter real quick. I was going to say, this is why they make Twitter. I'll check Roto. Oh, damn. John Madden just passed away. No way. Yeah, that happened. Maybe announced like 30 minutes ago. Like right after his fucking documentary. I watched that shit yesterday. God damn. Yeah, they said it was unexpected. R.I.P. in peace. Yeah, damn. That sucks. Like, I mean, I was too young to ever really like, you know, watch him as a coach or as a commentator beyond a little bit early on. But he just seemed like such a fun guy. Well, as sad as John Madden passing is, I don't understand why this line came off the board. So let's just talk about it as if it didn't. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Um, um, so we have the Minnesota Vikings going to play the Green Bay Packers. The Packers are minus six and a half. Minus uh, seven. I didn't see it, the final one. <laughs> it was when it came off the board, it was minus six and a half. And you know what? Okay. I kind of like the Vikings. Yeah. I don't know. I just have a weird feeling. Like the Packers have been a little underwhelming lately. Uh, they got lucky to beat the Browns. They got really fucking lucky to beat the Browns. They got and, really lucky to beat the Ravens too. Well, they also got unlucky to be in that position in the first place. But well, yeah, but they just they can't stop the run right now. Uh uh-uh. uh. Like at all. And and the Vikings are gonna run. And Dalvin Cook just got his week off with asymptomatic COVID, so he's gonna be feeling as good as he has felt. Mm-hmm. Fuck. It does. I, I mean, you still it, again, have to it, go to the the horrible defensive backs in Minnesota, though. And Devontae Adams is very, very good. I and think the that Patrick Peterson. Similar. I think that Patrick Peterson is actually well suited to handle uh, Devontae Adams because he is also savvy, and Devontae Adams is not that athletic, so it helps keep Patrick Peterson in the game. I don't think that the Vikings have anything for MVS or that run game. Yeah. That's, that's where I would worry that even though the Vikings should be able to run on the Packers a lot, which should, you know, run clock and give us better options with a bigger number, like six and a half. I think the Packers can still score really fast and they kind of seem like a team that turns it on and turns it off. And when they're playing the Vikings in Lambeau, right? Yep. They're, they're going to be pretty fired up if I had to guess. And so I think you, you worry less about them, you know, slowing down at the half or whatever. But they have been slowing down a lot. So it's something you have to consider. I probably stay away from this game, especially because they're ones that I like more. But if I had to go, I'd probably lean the Packers just because they're a better team. And it seems like it's their want to that affects their ability more so than just they forget how to play football in the second half or, you know, they come out slow because they're bad. It's they just have to get up for the games. Yeah, I let it be noted that I have a feeling that the Vikings pull this out, but I'm not betting on it. You're right. Especially if, if it was a week where we just hated everything, maybe, yeah, this one comes in. But given that there are games that we like, and this one is one that we're kind of projecting on more than actually looking at what has happened, I think we just leave it. Yeah. All right. Well, then we can go on to Monday night to finish off week 17. Yeah, fucking Monday, baby. Make Monday a good day, baby. Yeah. Fucking Monday, baby. Fucking Monday, baby. Uh, The Cleveland Browns going to play the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers are plus three. That number is at even, so it is probably about to drop. Yeah. Um, This is going to be minus two and a half. It's going to be Browns minus two and a half within 48 hours. Um, And I'm going to take... You don't think so? It'll go to three and a half. The Browns are minus 120. (laughs) The Steelers are even. (laughs) 
Uh, duh. I, I flipped it. Um, I knew it time. Yeah, no, literally just any minus 20 on a Tuesday, it's going to move. It will. Um, okay, so if it's going to go to minus three and a half, we should probably get Browns minus three right now because that's the side. Uh, I mean, I'm not betting on this game, but if you <laughs> like it, I will. I, I'm not going to tell you you're not allowed to. Uh, I simply do not bet on the Browns. I keep on saying I'm not going to bet on the Browns, and then they keep on getting matchups that I fucking love for the last, the last three weeks. Yeah, I mean, the, the Steelers are legitimately very bad. And getting think, worse. And I think Ben has, like, somewhat salvaged a little bit because I, I don't think he's playing well, but he at least knows the offense and gets them moving, and they get the ball out really fast. So they can neutralize pass rushes. The issue is that they're still just not good, and their offensive line is terrible. They and even run. though Ben is smart, they he can't throw the ball, and they can't run the ball. And Chase Claypool's taking a step back. And Deontay Johnson's great. Pat Fryerman's is good. But they're, they're still just super limited on offense, um, and the defense just hasn't been what they expected it to be or what it has been in the past few years. But then you have the Browns. <laughs> so yeah. that, I mean, they've played, what, one complete game this entire season? I don't even know about that. The, the the first game against the Bengals where they just walloped them. Their their defense was breaking up passes left and right. Jamar Chase had a shitty day. The offense was passing. It was running. Even their special teams didn't have any terrible fuck-ups, which is special for them at that point in the year. It was also the Bears game. Yeah, but even the offense wasn't that good in that game. That's because the just Bears the are really good. Well, yeah, but still, the, the Browns have played one game this season where everyone played well. They have a lot of talent. Counterpoint. We're going to get it. We're already like we are getting extreme line value on this game because mm-hmm. Baker Mayfield's box score looked really bad last week. He did not. He looked bad. He didn't look as bad as his box score. But yeah, he was still bad. last week. No, he was not good. He was a little below average. But like that would have been one of Mac Jones's best games, like so probably the interceptable balls. Yeah. Welcome to Mac Jones. I'm, what I'm saying is. Anytime people walk away from a game thinking this quarterback is not only an F, but like a very clear F, and in reality, he's a C minus, you've got so much fucking value. I agree with you. And the Browns have everything. Throw the Browns in the trash. And the Browns have everything to play for because if they beat the Steelers, which should be easy, and they beat the Bengals, which they've proven they can easily do, they go to the playoffs. That's all they got to do. Yeah, I mean, that is is all they have to do. However, I would say that they have to do those two things, which they should have they should have wiped the Steelers or earlier in the year. And they were terrible. Well and lost on a last second touchdown. I was gonna say they lost on a last second touchdown and they fumbled at the 15 yard line and they turned the ball over on downs twice and they turned the ball over on special teams. And I don't think that that's all gonna happen again. And even then it took sheer luck to lose that game. This like, is true. Even given all of those terrible turnovers and mishaps, an injured-ass Baker Mayfield limping around holding his shoulder in its socket still should have won that game, but for an insane catch by Pat Frymuth. Yeah, and it's uh, it's Ben's last game in Heinz Field. The Browns did love that opportunity last year, but... Yes, they did. I, I think it, it really, this will just come down to, will if Baker plays a game with less turnovers then yeah, they win, They should win this game because their offense actually looked pretty good against the Packers. That Just, was probably was, the best. That was probably the best game Stefanski's called all year. Probably. It was up there. He, he, he had a really good system. 
they they moved really well in the defense. We had a lot of gripes about them early in the year. I still don't think they're incredible, but they're pretty solid. And they I think they work well. Better. Yeah, I think they work well against that type of offense too, because they'll just say, okay, throw your three yard passes that you're getting off in one and a half seconds, and then we'll tackle you for three yards. And Especially as as because sp- they got JOK now. He wasn't playing in the first Steeler game, and he's perfect for this game. Yeah. He, the, the defense is athletic and they're fat. They're, they're fast and coming around and hitting people. It's, it, it's what you wanted this defense to be. Obviously they still have issues that they need to work on, but they're doing what they're supposed to be doing and the offense is moving, but I just don't trust them to have complete games. I think Baker is really beat up right now and it's affecting his play and they don't have the receivers to bail him out when he does have bad games or has a ball that isn't perfect because he kind of has to be perfect with his receivers. And it is really hard to do because he's hurt. And I think it's messing with his head at this point. It's just a bad situation for them. All right. Because we're here and because it's Monday night football and because I am going to stick my neck out and make this a pod pick against your wishes. I'm going to go on a little rant real quick, just a short one, because there's a lot of people out there who think that I have some kind of emotional attachment to Baker Mayfield. And I would like to remind you people, what the fuck I'm doing here? The bottom line is money. Nobody gives a fuck. I don't fucking like college football, and I don't fucking care about walk-ons or cool stories. So why do I like Baker Mayfield? I don't fucking care about Oklahoma. I don't fucking care about the Stoops brothers or Lincoln Riley or being a walk-on. I don't fucking care about Texas Tech. I don't fucking care about short dudes. I don't fucking care. I don't think he's a particularly trendy dude because I fucking hate Fortnite. He didn't impress me on his Wonderlick score, so I'm not exactly pounding the table for him as like some kind of intelligentsia representative. I like Baker Mayfield because he's good at football and he doesn't get credit. And the bottom line is money. And I don't give a fuck. It's not sentimental and it's not emotional. I watch the fucking plays. And if you think that the fourth pick with the egregious holding which turned into arguably a pass interference. If you think that that's a bad play by the quarterback, I'm here to tell you, you don't know what the fuck you're looking at. You're a stupid piece of shit. And I don't want you to listen to my podcast or follow me on Twitter. And I'd be very happy if you did neither. If you don't realize that the egregious pass interference that wasn't called on the first interception may have affected the trajectory of that play, well, you're just not paying attention. And that's fine. I do lots of things casually, but not watch football because this is about money. Finally, if you think that Baker Mayfield's two throws that hit Donovan Peoples-Jones in the hands, 20 to 30 yards downfield, in the red zone, wouldn't have changed the game at all. You're just living in a results-based world, and you don't actually care about how things happen and work. A football landed in the cupped palms of Donovan Peoples-Jones at the three-yard line, and that football did not stay there. That's seven points gone. Another football hit Donovan Peoples-Jones in the fingertips, and this was a tougher catch. This was not a good throw, but it's the kind of throw that the Bills wide receivers and the Packers wide receivers and the Chargers wide receivers and the Buccaneers wide receivers and even the Saints wide receivers make every game. So tell me that Baker Mayfield's game was not underrated last week, and I will book your bets, and we can settle up on Venmo. It's an open invitation. Rant over. Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't disagree with you. I do think he is in a bad situation. I've liked Baker since the start too. I mean, you you had turned me on to him when he was in college. Like this guy's really good. And then he ended up on the Browns, which I was very happy about because I was like, I, oh I was my not. goodness. <laughs> yeah, you were you you were like a, a little happy because then you yeah, okay, whatever. I may have only been the happy one. Um, but I was like, finally, we have a good 
we have someone that I actually think might be solid because most of the time when they draft someone, I go, wow, they took the worst possible guy they could have. And Baker has, has played well. You know, I don't want this to turn into a Browns thing, but he's played well in two full seasons. He had one shitty year in 2019 where the stories that have come out about it doesn't sound like anyone would have been successful there. Coaches have, is an elite head coach. Yeah, I mean, coaches from that team have talked about they have never, ever been in situations that dysfunctional or with that little communication or just the people have gone on and on about how horrible it is. And then this year you have all the injuries, all the wide receivers stabbing you in the back in the middle of the season. <laughs> that didn't sound yeah, emotional. Yeah, I mean, it's it it is. That's what it was, though. I mean, there are a lot of players that go and they voice their frustrations and like, that's fine. That's the game. But it's just the the whole thing. It, it's been a bad year, and he has not done well. He hasn't had a good season. I think he's had a fine season. I think he's just yo-yoed between having some solid games, then he'll go have some shitty games. But he's been hurt. I I just want the season to be over for him because I feel bad at this point. Yeah. Um, because he's only hurting himself. But they're not going to do that. They're going to keep him in until he physically cannot go on the field anymore. And we're going to see what happens these next couple of weeks. I think he still has it. I don't think we're going to see that this year because the team is not built for it. But it'd be real cool if he did uh, rediscover some perfect Baker and gets us into the playoffs. I would like to remind you that just two weeks ago against the Ravens, Baker Mayfield played an A game, arguably an A-plus game of football. And that his average grade is a 2.8, which is a B it's a B. It's a flat B. His median grade is a 3.3, which is a B plus. And his mode grade is a 3.3, which is a B plus. So like, it's not like the dude fucking blows. He's just a lightning rod. And people just happen to watch very casually some of his worst games. Yeah, it, it, it does seem like anytime they're on national TV, he plays poorly. And that could be a thing about Baker. It could be a he doesn't live up to the pressure type of thing. It could be a he's not very good against good teams type of thing. Obviously, that clashes completely with what we saw last year when he was fucking dominant against the Steelers and the Chiefs in the playoffs. But honestly, I just want to see him get the fuck out of Cleveland and go somewhere with a wide receiver. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of growing to that point as well because I don't think he will ever get a fair shot in Cleveland at this point. I think he's had a fair shot to this point, but now people have turned on him so much and have, you know, begun picking out every single thing they don't like about him and using it to justify. And like, again, I, I understand why they do that because he hasn't lived up to what we were hoping for, what the Browns are hoping for to this point. But I, I think his best shot is going to be to go somewhere else and have a team that's more prone to pass and a fan base that maybe isn't so toxic. But that's a big ask <laughs> in the NFL as well. Send my board to the Saints. Actually, I haven't been that impressed with Sean Payton. Yeah, he hasn't been super great in the last couple of years, but we do know that he loves Baker. So Okay, let's, let's suss out our actual bets here. So our maybes, we literally don't have any lockdown absolutely fucking do it bets our maybes are kansas city over cincinnati minus four and a half what's going to happen with that line we have the rams going to baltimore minus three take that shit take that shit that one's our number one bet so far we have tennessee over baltimore but how much are we laying probably goes down to minus three but yikes oh wait no it's not it's not tennessee over baltimore it's tennessee over miami Mm -hmm. again 
it probably goes down to Titans minus three over Miami, but the money is coming in on Miami. So we just got to hope <laughs> we have Dallas over Arizona. What's the line going to be right now? It's about minus five. I don't know. Detroit over Seattle catching a touchdown. I don't like it. It feels okay. And then we are betting Cleveland over Pittsburgh minus three. I'm sorry. I, it's not even that I'm saying don't do it because honestly, I think that's the right bet. But I refuse to do it because I will not bet on the Browns until they give me more than one game of competent football. I need one win. Yes, they do. All right. So we've got Rams and Browns. Who else are we adding to this mix? We need three. Well, I mean, I don't know if we really have that many options. I think Detroit, seven. I Detroit's a bad team, but so is Seattle. It's very possible that Seattle goes out and scores four touchdowns in the first half because they're just bombing them. But I don't think that's likely to happen. I think this will probably be on the lower end of a score. And when you have seven for a low scoring game where Detroit matches up well, I think that's just playing the numbers. And I like it given what we have. I also think that losing to the Bears the way that they did last week was fucking heart shattering for Seattle. And Wilson has a foot and a half out the door anyways. That team is just, they can't be in a good spot mentally. Whereas the Lions are the happiest, most team spirit, enthusiastic, crappy team of all time. And they're actually not that crappy. I don't think the Lions are in my bottom five teams anymore. Because it turns out they're kind of actually well coached. Yeah, that's another one that was surprised. I thought, you know, Dan Campbell would be like the ultimate like players coach. that Everyone would love him, but they'd still just lose games. But they're they're actually pretty responsible. They're pretty disciplined. They They, they play how they should. Now... Let's not get ahead of ourselves and proclaim Dan Quinn or Dan Campbell as a legit coach because Matt Patricia looked okay his first year, but we're only dealing with the first year. So you got to give them credit for what they've done. Um, so, I mean, basically it comes down to pick one that we don't bet on Kansas city over Cincy, Tennessee over Miami, Dallas over Arizona or the lions over the Seahawks. My pick is not as we don't bet on Tennessee. That number is too high. All right, I don't actually remember what we were saying when my computer died and we got cut off, but we're going to hop right back here. Um, you had a good idea, which is just that why splice hairs between these six bets that we kind of like at similar levels when we could just take all six and fuck with the units. And seeing as we're up, uh, give me one moment, 15.39 uh, units on the year, which is preposterous. I wish I had brought up my soundboard for this, but I didn't because I would do cha-ching and you bitches better recognize I think maybe what we do, <laughs> no, I don't care enough. I think maybe what we do is we roll with a three unit play on Rams minus three over Baltimore and then two unit plays on Cincinnati or Kansas City over Cincinnati and Cleveland over Pittsburgh. And then one unit plays on Tennessee, Dallas and Detroit. I like that idea. It could, if it goes idea. poorly, like we, we might wipe out the whole year pretty quick, but let me see. Let me see what a catastrophic week would look like for us. Okay. Uh, so again, it would be three on LA, two on Kansas City and Cleveland, and then one on the remaining three, which are Tennessee, Dallas, and Detroit. That's ten That's units. Ten. If we lost every single game, we'd be up five units going into the final week of the year. Mm -hmm. And frankly, I don't see how LA doesn't beat Baltimore by ten. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Let's go for it. Who cares? We're doing like, this for fun. Straight up, theoretically, if LA covers the minus three against Baltimore and all the rest of the bets lose, we're looking at 
we're looking at a minus 4.2 week, which we can handle. Yeah. So let's do it this way. Again, I will go down the line so everybody can hear it and remember. Kansas City over Cincinnati, minus 4.5, two units at minus 115 odds. Keep in mind that you should wait because I think it'll go down to minus four and it might even go lower. Give it until Thursday and then pull the trigger. Los Angeles over Baltimore, minus three, 110 odds. It will go there soon if it isn't there already. That'll net us 2.73 units if we win. Tennessee, minus 3.5 over Miami. Again, wait until Sunday. Minus four doesn't hurt us. Minus three helps us a lot. Minus 2.5, and we're doing a rain dance and making this three units. Uh, Like literally, those are the contingencies we will play by because you should be waiting on this game until Sunday morning. Dallas over Arizona. It is currently minus 5.5. Is that the truth? Uh, Double checking. Yep. Minus five and a half, 110. This is another one where you wait until fucking Sunday because minus six and minus 5.5 both mean you got to win by a touchdown. If it leaks down to three or four, that's a lot better. Uh, Four is touchdowns versus field goals, and that's what this game is going to look like anyways. And three is just who's going to win the game, and it will be Dallas. And frankly, I think Dallas gets a defensive touchdown, at least a takeaway. Bet on takeaways. (laughs) Like seriously, Honestly, I feel like the touchdown is hard because if there is one thing about Kyler, he he knows how to tackle people after he turns the ball over. That man is a missile, and yep. he he gets guys down after the turnover. But I agree there will be a, at least a couple turnovers. You can actually request, um, like, will Dallas have an inter- – well, they already have. Will Kyler throw an interception? Yes, he will. Bet over one – bet over 0.5 interceptions for Kyler in this game. Uh, and just straight up do that. Um, also, Detroit over Seattle, plus seven, one unit. Finally – on Monday, fucking Monday, baby, Cleveland over Pittsburgh. One last time, minus three, two units, bite your tongue and bear it. <laughs> and then if you would like to tease down with some of these numbers where if they don't maybe take the jump that we're hoping for, we do have the Bills as a potential leg. You have the Patriots. You don't have as good a value with them, but it is a it good might- number. It might get a lot better if Jared Stidham starts. If Jared Stidham starts, you better use those fucking Patriots as a leg. Mm-hmm. You also have Tampa Bay. You could use the San Francisco 49ers as well. So there are a handful of teams that should keep you pretty safe if you're just going money line that you could use to tease down if any of these numbers kind of stay where they are instead of dropping like we're expecting. Yeah, and then like um, one that I did is Kansas City money line, Dallas money line. That pays out at plus 110. That's lovely. I got Tennessee money line parlayed with Buffalo and Tampa money line at minus 105. That's lovely. So fuck with your legs. It's a chalky ass week, but we're getting down to crunch time. and This time of the year, shit gets chalky. So uh, I didn't ask for your opinion. I certainly know that one. And I didn't ask for a psychological evaluation of my relationship with players and teams. I asked you one thing and one thing only, and that is to please bet on football games. Until next week. Hasta.